Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Ultra Q. Uh, I believe it's 11. Uh, that's what I've got written down. Uh, my name is Red. Uh, I am joined by Mel. You know, if I had a nickel for every time episode 6 of an Ultra series featured a kid getting roped in with an aquatic reptile and some criminals, I'd have two nickels, <laughs> which isn't a lot, but... <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I'm also joined by Razen. Uh, hello. Um, I uh, I recently learned that uh, the title of episode four, five seconds before the explosion, was actually taken from a production still of the first episode of Ultraman, uh, which was the first shot of Ultraman. Um, wait. Oh, wait. What? <laughs> what? This, this is a blowjob joke. Ouch. <laughs> Fuck. This. Fuck. Uh. You know what? There are too many layers to this. Uh, and I just own you. Uh, Please hang out with me. Uh, we are finally. We are now recruiting new co-hosts. Uh, please email in uh, if you would like to join Ultra Q. Do not do that. Um, so we have got today. We've got episode four, episode five, episode six of Ultra uh, Man. I was about to say Q. Yeah. I have bad, you know, habit. Old habits um, die hard. Yeah. Uh, I would just like to start making a PSA. Uh, uh-huh. so, so, we released our first episode of Ultraman, did pretty good, popped off, uh, apparently in uh-huh. three days, already surpassed, uh, four of our other episodes in terms of listenership, so, hey. Now, Mel, uh, now, Mel, what does that mean? Uh, it fucking means, uh, a whole bunch of you are not watching Ultra Q, so go fucking do that. <laughs> <laughs> it will Listen. actually be very important, uh, when I talk about production history, uh, that uh, you have some ultra cute context it will also ta- be very important in when we talk about episode fucking four <laughs> <laughs> yes. it will also be important in episode six when i say that hoshino is jun 2 and he's got his own ipe jr and yuriko jr <laughs> <laughs> holy shit uh yeah go watch go watch uh ultra cute also do if, a if, welcome to if, all new viewers no... also do go watch ultra cute. if for no other reason then you're missing out on an incredible television show uh, absolutely absolutely um, okay, well, with that PSA done, uh, you know, uh, last week we, we kept a, we kept a little light, we're gonna keep it a little light this week as well, just cause, you know, time constraints, uh, but we do usually, you know, we, we don't hang out as much as we should, so we have a, we, we do a little homie check-in, you know, we, we like to, you know, see what we've been watching, what we've been reading, what's, what's been going on. Um, I just wanna start, I just wanna say... Uh, the Barbarossa campaign in Age of Empires 2 is a fucking bitch! <laughs> What's a f- Excuse me, nightmare? why the fuck are you doing a Barbarossa? Wait, hold on, no. I got confused. Barbarossa the what? guy, not the fucking World War II thing. Yeah, bar- not, the, not the campaign. Barbarossa <laughs> the guy. The I, guy I, that I, the campaign is named after. This, this, this makes a lot more sense. Okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I was just Age like, of Empires 2, I was jumping just like, what ahead. Is the, doing in Age of Empires the two in Age of Empires 2 stands for World War II. Little known yes. fact. Um, but yeah, the 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 Frederick Barbarossa campaign, the last two missions are well, the so something about the AI in the fifth mission uh changed between the original game, Age of Kings, and the expansion, Age of Conquerors. So now it's like really really hard because all the there's something about the enemy ai and the ally ai that means they're more aggressive and they go all in on things uh when they shouldn't the scenario is not designed for it 
and it gets really hard. I managed it without cheats, so I'm feeling pretty proud of myself, but it did involve kind of tricking the AI a little bit. Uh, in like yeah. a way that w- that felt rewarding or in a way that felt like, oh, I wish I could just play normally. Because sometimes... Sometimes sometimes, happens. sometimes it's the other one, but this time it was actually quite rewarding. I felt like... That's good. I felt I felt big brain. I felt very smart. Nice. Um, because the, most of the recommendations I saw online were um, cheat code it. Use use like Marco Polo so you can see where all the enemies are, and or just you know if you can't be bothered, use IR Winner to get through. Um, the cheat the, the cheat code names in Age of Empires two are pretty good. Um, but the uh, yeah, I finished the base game, the Age of Kings campaigns. That was uh, that was fun. Is there base building like... in the campaigns? Uh, there is some. Okay, in some of the missions. Uh, well, in quite a few of the missions, there is base building. Uh, often it's a case of, like, you are just put, like... <laughs> some of the base building is, like, a real high-wire act of fuckery because they... It's, like, a regular game, but you're sort of, like... What if you just loaded up a regular game and went AFK for ten minutes and let the AI build up <laughs> before you had even, like, grabbed one resource? Oh, so is the, what the, the scenario cookie, is like. The clicker of RTS... The cookie Wait, clicker not, of not RTS, exactly. um, but the um, you know some sometimes uh, it works and sometimes it doesn't. There's a Saladin mission where you have to build up a coastal base. Where the way to beat the game is to simply not build up a coastal base. Is to simply move your base inland away from the impending uh, navy from Tyre. Um, and uh, so you know that's what I that's what I did and I won. Uh, so, but um, yeah, there's there's some missions that are get more creative. Um, the fifth mission that I was just talking about in the Barbarossa campaign in particular is like you just have to get five soldiers to uh, across because it's about Barbarossa's march to the Crusades, uh, which doesn't end well for him. If you know, <laughs> he, he he drowns. He, you know what? You know what? He deserved. Yeah, he he attempts to cross a river and just fucking falls off his horse and drowns, um, uh, which kind of puts the third crusade uh, to bed. Um, a lot of this, I don't want to get too into this, but this is, some sometimes people uh, talk about crusades history and are they are really aggressively like twentieth century, early two thousands posting about projecting about like. Oh yeah, the Third Crusade was totally like a success. I was like, no, it wasn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, the, the Third Crusade notably a success when uh, Saladin took over the Kingdom of Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, you know, if your house burns down and you save the cat, have you had a good day? Now I'll give you the cat. You like that cat? That's a win. But the, your house burned down. <laughs> uh off camera for privacy reasons. I don't know why I said camera. Off microphone for privacy reasons. Okay, I'll cut this out. No, 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 no. I'm saying this for the benefit of the audience. Uh, I need to tell you two about the Knights Templar guy I know because... uh, Oh, no. no. It's a a bad time. I have some videos to show you. (laughs) Uh, My most most of my exposure comes from, like, up to, like, Crusader posting comes from, like... I have a friend who, like, introduced me to, like, metal and, like, in fact, band Sabaton. 
Mm-hmm. And one of their yes. band, one of their songs is called uh, "The Last Stand," and because of some of the lyrics in those songs, a lot of people are like, "Oh man, it's like the Crusades, Deus Vault." Except, uh, actually, the song is about uh, German mercenaries besieging Rome in the in the in the Reformation Wars. And I'm like, yes. I don't think I don't think this is quite the thing you're thinking. <laughs> uh, uh, the lyrics are like, they, "Oh hey, uh, the Swiss Guard is here." Uh, it's 1857, and I'm like, no, 15. Whatever, I'll uh, get the date wrong. But I anyway, would... they're not talking about the wrong. They're just stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish, I wish they were good at this because they have a song about Bannockburn, which is the the coolest. I mean, uh... to, to be fair, uh, that's more the fan base than the the band. I, uh, I, but the band, I, I, I'm, I'm not like I, 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 I listened to the Bannockburn song. And I was like, eh, this is alright. I'm not, I'm not super into it. But, uh... um, yeah. The reason I got onto this was because the mission five of the Barbarossa campaign, which uh, is about you just have to get your soldier, you just have an army and you have to get at least five soldiers to a particular point across, you know, fighting. Uh, well, you have to sail um, across, uh, I think, the Bosporus um, and uh, you have to get constantinople to give you ships uh which involves threatening them uh with military might oh i remember uh, venice said that yeah yeah um you or you have to sail from the weak port of gallipoli um sorry gallipoli you got caught up in this <laughs> um wouldn't be but, the last uh, time yeah the uh but yeah that mission was cool uh even if i had to trick the ai it it, it was it was sick uh, and there are other missions like that, like the final mission of the Saladin campaign, which is maybe a little ahistorical. Is uh, you have to success, you have to defend your wonder, you have to build and defend a wonder in uh, a city that uh, Richard the Lionheart does conquer in history. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's cool. It, my wonder was like I mentioned this on co-host. My wonder was like one trebuchet hit from going down when it, the timer ran out and I won. Uh, that was pretty sick. That's cool. Um, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I finished the base campaigns of uh, the Age of Kings. Uh, I'm going to take a break before going into the Age of Conquerors expansion. Uh, I'm going to probably play some Command and Conquer because um, uh, that's I'm missing that, and yeah. I need to I need to see the ridiculous FMV game. I uh, need to do RTS at some point beyond Pikmin, and I guess Paradox strategy games if they count. Because that's basically the bulk of my. They, the you know they're adjacent. Uh, Certainly, I think. Yeah, I'm just like they're like an RTS sandbox of sorts. Yeah, it's just like kind of how I view them. They are real time, but like the gameplay of like Victoria Two and Crusader Kings is not the same as Command and Conquer and Age of Empires. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in like. I also like Paradox games to me are more about fucking around and finding out than they are winning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the that's the point. Uh, and yeah. some some games are more sandboxy than others. I've heard that like mm-hmm. Crusader Kings and Victoria are pretty good, like from a sandbox standpoint. Whereas I think like Europa Universalis and Hearts of Iron are doing a lot more, have more railroady so, shit going on, which is like kind of like. So this is so this is one of the things that I want to talk about with just the there's like a narrative arc to um a standard game of Age of Empires two. Um, or I guess like any like base building RTS with like limited resources on the map is I, you know, 
you look at like civilization and it's about like constant rise and reaching like creating like like an eternal empire or whatever and it's like I, eh, that's not how things work um <laughs> falls <laughs> um, yeah. uh dwarf fortress you know um but the uh the standard game of age of empires 2 is like you strip the land bare to wage war against your enemy and if you get to the like really late game you have just run out of resources and you're throwing like feeble units at each other that you can make with like no money i mean that's definitely <laughs> and it's it's really cool and i wish there was a game yeah. that sort of like leaned into this and codified it a little yeah. more yeah paradox uh, games definitely have a thing where you can easily snowball and conquer the world once there you there's a point where you go big enough and strong enough you can conquer everyone which isn't how anything actually works so yeah uh like overextension is technically a thing but the game isn't the games usually don't like actually balance mm -hmm. for it uh the other significant thing um about age of empires 2 is i played i played the base version i did not play the definitive edition version of the campaigns where they got new voice actors in and stuff uh which means one the scottish camp the scottish tutorial campaign <laughs> amazing the way that man attempts scottish accent incredible uh this did this did come back to bite me though when i got to the uh genghis khan campaign oh no, oh, no. <laughs> it's uh, oh, no. it's pretty it's pretty bad it's pretty rough <laughs> uh um but uh some of you know uh the campaign was good uh i did like it uh, there was a lot of uh, very cool uh just scenarios uh at play um i think the, the first one in particular which is about uniting um uh tribes in uh yeah. is pretty cool there's like, like you don't get any no base building whatsoever it's just uh you have to it's like you know one tribe asks for like uh, you know find us 20 sheep from the map bring to us we'll ally with you and you can have our monks and that means you can go pick up a relic to give to a different uh tribe and then like what like two of the tribes on the map are like yo kill that other one we hate them <laughs> <laughs> that does um, remind me that um koei used to be like like they got their start as like a big strategy game like juggernaut uh mm -hmm. and in modern era that's mostly been reduced to uh, the Three Kingdoms in Nobunaga's Ambition games are the ones that are still alive and trucking, but like they had a lot more diverse lineup in the 80s and 90s, and I include like a sub series that was all about like Genghis Khan, and that seemed like a cool thing. Oh, that does seem cool. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that was I, I'm gonna actually write up a thing and post it on co-host because I've decided I'm gonna do that. Um, I'm gonna keep that up uh, because I want to get half decent at playing Age of it. I'm gonna go online. What I've discovered is that the AI just keeps doing one oh. build, keeps one doing, keeps one feudal age rush going all the time at me, and I'm just like, I'm not learning the game, uh, so I'm gonna have to play against uh, strangers online. Um, so that that's gonna happen. But so, uh, go ahead. So, so when people play like RTS games online, do they say that their faction is like their main, like a fighting game player? So Age of Empires 2 is different because there's so many so StarCraft absolutely uh like cuz there's, there's three factions and they play so differently. Um Age of Empires 2 very different. Um because the factions are all similar enough that it's basically the same video game. But 
they're different enough that there are like meta picks for different maps interesting um, so people learn lots of sieves and the way that tournaments are structured is that you can't pick the same sieve twice generally and sometimes there's a variant on that like i saw in age of empires 4 um stream because there's only eight factions in that and so they have to work a little harder to squeeze um like rounds out of that um and so they had a rule where it was like uh if you win with a faction you can't play that faction again oh um and it's like this isn't like across a whole tournament this is like in like best of like seven best of nine matches and stuff jesus Um, yeah so these are like like i like i've been i've been watching competitive age of empires 2 online um and uh they could go for much longer than they do because there is one person who's just too good at the game (laughs) oh there's a a guy called the viper who is just too good uh, too good at age of empires 2 and just keeps beating people in like (laughs) four 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 one four two (laughs) The Daigo Umahara of Age of Empires. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, I don't expect I'll ever be that level because I am not... I am not a teenager. I do not have that many years ahead of me to get this good at the game and, like, stay... At, like. Uh, so I'm not aiming for competitive level, but I just want to get decent at the video game. Um, That's a good yeah. place to be at with anything like this, I yeah. feel. Like... I have reached the point with fighting games where I'm like, I I can understand in my own journey of self-improvement why this is an honest-to-fucking-God full-time job for some people, and how that shows Mm -hmm. and how they play versus how I play. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a point where you gotta just be like, eh, I'm in this for, like, getting what I can out of it, and uh, reaching that top requires more effort than most are should probably reasonably give to a thing like this yeah for me i want to just like mostly improve my fighting game skills just so i can like play at a more parody level with my peers that's all uh-huh yeah that's always a good thing to be at um the i i i had two other things i'm not gonna talk about both of them. i'm just gonna say i'm still watching captain scarlet uh well i say still i haven't watched a single episode since last time because i've been very busy i slept for 12 hours this morning because i finally settled into i've just i didn't have anything to do um and so i just i was like ah man i'm gonna wake up at a normal time did not woke up at 3 p.m um but uh the uh the other thing i finished watching uh the eminence in shadow which is a i realize it's weird to go on a podcast and say that an isekai anime is good uh but it is <laughs> Um, Listen, it's Dunbine uh, and Escafone well, are also aside good. Aside from Dunbine, <laughs> aside from Dunbine, Escafone is um, also good. There's like, there's a handful. Ah, uh, yes, there's a handful. But yeah, that um, Eminence and Shadow, uh, good anime. Um, yeah, it's it's horny, but like, you know, I don't know why. I'm not logging on and being like. Damn, this anime made for perverts by perverts sure has fan service shaking my head. I, you know, I know what I, what I was getting into. Um, and uh, the, the first episode uh, does have, uh, in the name of tackling every cliche in Isekai, uh, it unfortunately does deal with sexual assault in episode one, which is just like, I don't think you needed this. I, I don't think you needed this at all. Um, 
but the rest of the show are good. Uh, it's funny that you can just make a character's entire motivation just be, wouldn't it be sick to be Lelouch? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he just loves the idea so much. One day um, I'll watch Gies. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether you'll like it or not, uh, but it's certainly very entertaining. Uh, it's I, worth watching. The thing, the thing is, all. in a weird way, I've built it up in my head is like, because of like its reputation and the memes, that's just like, I have to, when I watch Gies, it has to be like for a reason or like for a special occasion. Like I have to be doing something with it. It, it can't just be like a thing I put on casually like, or I'm getting to it on my backlog. It has to be like an event in a way because of how I built it up in my head. And I'm probably, I don't know if I'm going to, oh. I don't know if that's going to let me down or not. Um, I'll, mm, the thing is, uh, it's wilder, uh, than I think you could imagine. And like, there's, there's like some stuff I know about, but like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Basically, I'm I'm expect I, I'm mostly just like oh it's gonna be a wild ride and I hope I enjoy that ride. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I haven't got anything else uh, this week. So, whoever wants to go next. Uh, I have relatively little. I was dealing with a lot of um, in real life stuff this um week. Uh-huh. Uh. Semi-related, uh, my girlfriend and I are watching, uh, well, we're doing an exercise which I'm calling Breaking Bochi. We're watching two episodes of Bochi the Rock followed by an episode of Breaking Bad. Um, this is a wild combination. You know what? Yes. Um, you say this, but also I've seen how Bochi the Rock fans pit shit post, and it seems exactly like the kind of thing they do. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, I have actually, I'm pretty sure I tweeted out there's a clip that is a Bochy the Rock Breaking Bad crossover ship post. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not going to talk about Breaking Bad just because it's like, you know. It's 2023. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, well, okay, I will. Okay. The reason we're watching Breaking Bad, I do need to say this because this is wild to me. Uh, so at the time, b- before we started dating, we, we started this. Um, because I brought up Breaking Bad, and she went, what's that? And I was like, you're joking, Wait, right? What? What? No, she did not know what Breaking Bad was. She, like, never had heard of it before. Like, at all. I want to go to this world. I do, too. Uh... Uh, but I was like, we should watch this. And she was like, yeah. I don't know why you assumed I would know this. And I was like, what? What? Because? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My, my imagine, not, be... imagine not knowing what Thunderbirds is. <laughs> um, my exposure to Breaking Bad is re- restricted to that one video of the people doing a scene in Discord. Uh, and I, I am satisfied with that. Nice. Nice. See, at some point I do want to watch Better Call Saul, but I'm like, yeah, I should rewatch Breaking Bad before I get to that, so... I was like, well, I get to show this person a really cool show, and then also, too, I, I get, like, the rewatch in before uh, Better Call Saul, which a lot of my friends seem to like better than Breaking Bad, which uh pretty mm-hmm. impressive, so I will see how I feel about that. But, yeah, again, I don't think I'm going to be giving my weekly updates on Breaking Bad, because it's, I mean, I don't got anything new to say on Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, all of the opinions on Breaking Bad are already out there in the ether. But Bochi the Rock, I feel more than... Uh, comfortable commenting on uh, let's go it's a, it's a good show it, it's pretty good i only the first two episodes down but 
there's already multiple moments where I'm like, yeah, I can relate maybe a little too hard to this. Uh, it, it is about a girl with no friends who is really good at guitar, uh, posts covers of popular songs on the internet under the name Guitar Hero, um, and her whole deal is that she really wants to get good at guitar in the hopes that someday she'll be part of a band and then she'll have a group of friends and she won't be a loner anymore. Uh, the only problem is that she hates going to the outside world, uh, really hates going to school because she just doesn't fit in with anyone. Nobody really acknowledges her existence to the point where um, there's a there's a really funny bit where someone's like, well, don't you have any nicknames? And she's like, yeah, uh, hey, you and you over there. And it's, they're like, "That's those aren't nicknames. <laughs> um there's a bit in this show where uh, she she has to walk into this club, and she's the first one there, and then she goes, yes, okay. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and, and she goes, okay, I'm going to give it five minutes, and then I'll go in alone. And then she five minutes passages, okay, ten minutes, ten minutes, and then she goes, 15 minutes, and I was like, oh no. Oh no, I've done, like, (laughs) there's a younger version of me that has absolutely done this when when I was a little bit in the worst place. Um, No, this, honestly, if if you can relate to anxiety uh, at all, I highly recommend this show. It's very, it's very good for that. Uh, I know a lot of musicians that actually enjoy the show, too, for just, like, what it feels like to be young and, you know, dicking around with friends or even people you barely know and just, like, shooting the shit in a band and... Using it kind of just as like a reason to hang out and get to know people better. Um, mm-hmm. I was I I don't know how to play an instrument. I'm not musically inclined really at all. Um, I don't even really know how to read sheet music, which like is always like a thing where I'm like maybe I should learn how to do that someday. But I'm past a point where I would ever probably really use it. Um, but like growing up, my my social circle in high school were like. Pretty much my social circle was a band, and then there was me and two other guys who were just kind of, like, hanging out around them. <laughs> uh, so there, there there, was a lot of stuff that brought me back to, like, my younger days, both from the, like, mental health angle of being young and, and afraid to make yourself vulnerable and put yourself out there and connect with people, but then also to what it's like to be uh, trying to... Uh, put together this like creative thing and and working with a bunch of people to figure out if you all work together or not uh and get people to pay attention to you and the things you make uh very fun uh show uh i'm enjoying it a lot so far and uh i'm curious to see where it goes from episode two so i know there's four people in the band so far there are only three so i'm curious how a fourth Mm -hmm. girl fits in uh she will fit in it I like happen. I like how they all have the same color scheme as the team of Fresh Precure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it all comes back to Precure. Uh, it always does with me. Um, I I like Bachi the Rock. It's a good anime. Yeah, it's a good show. Uh, um, it, it, it blew up in a big th- way. Uh, yes, which is... it it blew up in a way that seems to be sticking around. Yeah, it, it like you know people. People are posting about it in the way that people used to post about anime. Um, <laughs> uh, anime is alive again. <laughs> I like I like the um, the, the sheer breadth uh, and inspiration of some of the posting. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, I'm uh, I like I think the a lot you know the comparison with Kaon is not unwarranted. Uh, it's much more band focused than Kaon. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, uh, Mel. Yeah. Uh, I so in our last Ultra Q episode, Razin mentioned watching a thing called Twilight Q. Uh, and now I have also done that. Nice. How are you feeling about Twilight Q? <laughs> uh, Twilight Q is a show, a two-episode OVA that I have watched. I... Uh, where, where, do, where do you come down on... Are, are you more of a first-episode person or a two-episode or I... the, the second-episode person? So I don't know how strongly I feel about the first episode, but I do like it more than the second episode. I... Uh think i agree which i was not expecting as the oshi person yeah but, uh, uh, i think that's maybe the weakest oshi thing i've watched yeah so like the first episode i feel like halfway through it stops being it stops having a narrative and then it becomes like stuff happens and then ends though maybe that's unfair maybe i can think back there's a bit more of a resolution than i gave credit to when i watched it like a week not a week ago but like five days ago uh but it's kind of a cool mystery to set up and is cool from a vibe standpoint uh and i guess like the way they end it is like oh that's a nice way to wrap up wrap wrap up with a bow i guess uh i didn't i just didn't gel with the second part at all it was just like there's a cool weird thing happens uh i do kind of like the meta reveal i guess that maybe it's not actually real it's just a guy saying some shit but like it's extremely uh, about some guy just expositing over some still frames for, like, a lot of it. Uh, and the other parts that are animated feature a child who is not wearing any pants. I'm like, okay, I don't think this was necessary. <laughs> I, um, I watched that second one, and I was really feeling it for the first bit. And then when I realized it kept going, and the entire... Uh, like, the entire episode, pretty much, was just going to be this guy at a word processor explaining the mystery to you while, like, kind of surreal imagery happened in the background. I started to really yeah. lose interest. Um, I kind of, I also kind of like how they play around with, like, how much of this was real at the end a little bit, too. But I don't know if it did enough to to really win me back. Um I like that first episode quite a bit. I do agree there is a point where, like, the first half of it plays it like there's a mystery to be unraveled, and then the second episode kind of just puts you on a roller coaster um, of some really bizarre shit happening in a way that it, it grounded me enough in that main character that I, I was kind of along for the ride. Uh, and I, I do like how it wrapped back around to give you kind of a close circle on what exactly happened without also explaining everything that went on. Um, but that that second episode, to me, uh, felt like if... <laughs> it felt to me like if someone wanted to make, like, a short that was taking the piss out of Oshi's maybe most self-indulgent tendencies, <laughs> like, oh, that, that would be um, what you made. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... Yeah, it, it's weird because also, like, I was thinking on it, and like, oh, this is, reminds me a bit about, like, the episodes that Oshi did for Lupin Part 6, because it is kind of like those vibes, except those were, like, felt like those were still, like, Lupin episodes where things happen, <laughs> to, to some degree. Uh, so, uh... What interested me is that it was, um, 
That was the same year that he made The Red Spectacles, which is one of my favorite movies and, like, probably the favorite thing by him that I've ever seen. And there's there are a lot of commonalities in what he's interested in in that movie and what he talks about in there, um, to the point where um, the guy even brings up, like, some hot takes on, like, ramen or whatever in uh, in the Twilight Q short. Which is all over the place in uh, Red Spectacles. Like there, there's a part where they go to an underground ramen shop and talk about how the, how y- you can't order ramen in this dystopian future just off the street anymore because they they don't want to draw crowds of guys that just stand around all day eating ramen. Like there, it's a whole thing in Red Spectacles. Uh, done much better there. Um, this just felt like him going on a little bit of a ramble uh, while also trying to create this supernatural element that I don't think was interesting enough to really warrant the runtime. <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious how you felt about those particular Lupin episodes. Because uh, they got they got some vibes. I might uh, get there someday. It uh, no, would probably not be for a long time. No, no, honestly, part six isn't even that great of a Lupin part, to be honest. So it's no. You could probably just watch those episodes on their own. They're standalone. Um, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, you heard it here, folks. Uh, episode 2 of Twilight Q. Not as good as Vlad Love. <laughs> I need to watch... I God, I need to watch that soon. Uh, yeah. Not as good as Pat Labor 2. Uh, to be honest, yeah. Is, uh, as it, the Pat Labor 2 defender, I agree with the statement. Me... me who doesn't particularly care for Pat Labor 2? Do I like it more than Vlad Love? Probably not. <laughs> not that. Pat, La- Pat Labor 2 has Naruto politics. It's... <laughs> yeah, Vlad Love has it's uh, like, it's like... characters doing a stage show based on Castlevania, which makes it automatically better. Yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> Immediately uh, worth it. Um, but yeah. Uh... I, rem- I remember going into Pat Labor 2 thinking like, oh, this, this is going to be too clever for its own good. And then I was like, okay, I learned this from the invasion of pain arc in naruto I... <laughs> uh yeah pat labor one is just a lot better uh maybe maybe my opinion on oshi will be elevated when i get around to his usa after movies oh uh, oh yeah i i i have i have well and truly fallen off usa yatsura i need to get back on it i, I need, need to get, get back, back on, on reading maison ikoku because yeah. i got there's a really there's a really nice physical edition of um Maison Ikoku, which is like ten volumes or something, and they're it's it's just good. It's nice. Um, so when I've got money, I will pop into a Waterstones or just check Amazon because yeah. they never Waterstones never fucking has it. Um, uh, and uh, yeah. pick up a, a a volume of Maison Ikoku. Um, but yeah. Uh. So that's Twilight Q. Yeah. 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 Uh. Still think it's worth visiting, but uh, yeah, that second episode left me a little bit more dry than the first one did. Ironic, because it's about fish. Ostensibly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, fortunately I wasn't able to get up to much else this week, because I, I ended up being a bit shaken up by some stuff, because uh, I witnessed a murder. You witnessed a murder? Oh. Uh, yeah, the... The murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Damn. Oh. <laughs> Damn. I'm I'm so sorry. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Uh. Hey. Uh. As we talked about last week, April Fools happened. Uh. And we we're a bit 
more removed from that. But anyway, they Sega released a short two-hour free uh, Sonic visual novel on April Fools. It's pretty good. I like it. Uh, I think. Uh, nice. I was in a I was in a Discord call with someone who was streaming it, and I was half paying attention to the conversation, half paying attention to the game, so I can slightly weigh on this as well. And I, I remember when I was paying attention, I liked the bits that I saw. Yeah, so... I feel like there's a, there's a conversation to be had that I won't belabor too long, where you have, like, the intersection of companies making, uh... Well, we're making April Fool's, what if we had a visual novel dating sim thing, uh... And just Whole life, don't joke about that marine visual novel. <laughs> uh, and just like continue. How people kind of like take are just like, damn, you're just taking the piss out of an entire genre and its fans. Uh, and on the other hand, there's like Sonic in like recent years when trying to work its media social media thing, being like self aware of like its troubled history, I guess you could say, but also perhaps indulging too much in that side and maybe. Leading too much into self-deprecation to the expense of, like, the people who generally enjoy Sonic. Uh, and just, like, that's probably changed in, like, more recent years that they kind of, like, try to figure the shit out more. And I feel like this this visual is kind of, like, the intersection of, like, how to do things correctly. Because, like, uh, it's about, the plot is, it's Amy's birthday. Uh, you're playing as, like, some, like, OC person that you name yourself. Uh... But, like, Amy's birthday, she's having a murder mystery birth a birthday party on a train. Uh, and, like, Sonic becomes the murder victim. Uh, and it becomes, like, everyone's got a role and you try to figure out who is the, the murderer. Uh, and it plays out, like, a very bare-bones, like, Phoenix Wright visual novel. But, like, they do the thing majig where you go around, you do investigation a bit for... And then you do dialogue and try and solve the mystery. Uh, and they even have, like, a... Danganronpa style uh, dive into your mind to figure out the answer minigame, which plays a bit like an isometric version of the Sonic 2 halfpipe. Uh, less, less involved than like the Danganronpa minigames, because usually those you're like presented with a question and you have to answer the question while doing the gameplay. And here it's just like, do the gameplay and then uh, you give her the answer after. Uh, and it's, you know, they, they put in the effort, there's good assets, uh, the characters are making jokes and just being funny, and but not in a way that's like, Leaning into memes or stuff, or just, like, the self-deprecating jokes, because there's a tendency, like, there's, like, there's definitely a way people online talk about Sonic, especially if they're not into Sonic and how they make fun of Sonic, and uh, this game does not indulge in those. They just, like, have fun with the characters, and you're hanging out with the characters, uh, and that's cool. It's got the vibes of, like, when you are watching a show, and then there's, like, a episode where they just go camping or have a barbecue and it's just like oh you're hanging out with the characters in a more low stakes casual setting it's more comedic you sing a different side to them uh and it's good it's just fun to hang out you get to see shadow be a sundary uh SBO, yes. SBO doing like dumb poetry shit because he's just really into his character being the poet guy uh knuckles destroys a Super Monkey Ball arcade machine because <laughs> he gets salty. Uh, just lots of good bits. Uh, Amy is delightful. Uh, it's just good. Uh, I do have one quibble where, like, after the mystery solved, the last, like, 
6%, like, 10% of the game is like, oh man, if actually Eggman is involved and we have to actually uh, save the day. Uh, I also thought that was kind of dumb. <laughs> I felt like it felt unnecessary, though I can kind of see, like, you want to include Eggman in this kind of fun event in some way. It just felt like you could have had it just be less less of a thing you had to like oh man we gotta defeat the evil robot train uh i did i did kind of like how they like for those parts you they took the gameplay from the mind diving minigame and it's like well this is the gameplay where sonic is playing to save the day and he's doing the gameplay from before that you knew and to do the boss battle quote unquote actually kind of challenging like there's actually like it's not like the hardest thing in the world, but there is a fair bit of challenge. I died a fair amount to it. Uh, but it's just, you know, it's just good. It's good. Like, the Sonic characters are nice. Uh, they have a bad reputation for stupid reasons, and they're nice characters. It's nice to have. Just hang out with them in the kind of low-stakes chill adventure. And just being like, hey, we did like a... Like, obviously it's a joke, because it's like, hey, what if Sonic was a murder mystery visual novel is like still like a funny premise, but like they... They treat it with like respect and like they cared, and that's like, I think, important. They, yeah, just just doing it is different. Yeah, is a uh, definitely a different different. Yeah, taste it's not like whoa, what are, what if joke. what if we did the dating sim? None of these people who did that ever played Donkey Kong Memorial. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I need to get back to that and get Shiori. Uh, you're not going to. I've gotten close. <laughs> I don't believe you. I need to play. <laughs> I need to actually play Donkey Kong Memorial one time. See, I learned that the requirements in the Super Famicom version, which is the only one that's translated, are uh, significantly different from the other ports of the game as well. Yeah. You're right, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I believe that Brazen Ra- of all three of us could do it. I, <laughs> Wait, my, why? Hold on, I need, to, I need your reasoning you're, for Because th- you're my go-to person for, like, I need to figure out how to get the neutral ending in Shin Megami Tensei 4. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, never mind, that yeah. tracks. Yeah, uh, you did message me asking me for advice, and I gave you some pretty concrete resources. I yeah, and I was uh, like, "Oh damn, this is more helpful than I could have possibly imagined." Yeah, I do, <laughs> I do want to try Tokyo Memorial. I do know the SNES version is like, as you'd expect, the the downgrade port because it's not on the ideal system for it. But also, I heard that like the tra- fan translation added a lot of stuff to like make it less here's my thing for that too because i remember there was a lot of there was some discussion when that Uh translation patch came out that was like oh this one isn't even worth playing uh having played quite a few different attempts through myself and doing various routes and stuff you're honestly getting like 90 percent of the experience and there is a lot of cool stuff that you are missing out on that like is kind of a bummer and i wish i got to experience but like the moment-to-moment gameplay is pretty much the same thing. It's just, like, the visuals and the music just aren't as good. Yeah, also, it's, like, they seem to, like, put the effort in to do it and, like, it is now accessible for people where it wasn't before, and that's still something. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, it'd be cool to see, like... My main issue with that game is, oh, boy, is that a very long dating sim where there's only so many events and past a point you are literally going on the same dates with the same people getting the same dialogue just to get the number up <laughs> oh boy uh i'm curious um, how but... the second game might improve things because i heard that's also really good this is not yeah, about Sonic soon anymore. to be translated no <laughs> nice well unless we have anything else 
Shall we get into Ultraman? Let's go. Hell yes. Okay. Let me tell you about the first 30 seconds of episode 4 of Ultraman. Um, this episode's called Five Seconds Before the Explosion. Right at the beginning, before anything can happen, the world launches nuclear bombs at Jupiter, the rocket fails and the bombs are dropped into the ocean, one explodes, and one is missing. The world wants the SSP's the SSSP's advice on how to find their missing bomb. Did you get all that? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Wild shit happening in the world of Ultraman. Ide uh, <laughs> is frustrated uh, that the squad isn't being asked to help directly, uh, but Fuji doesn't care. She's on vacation. Special orders from the captain, who thinks she works too hard. Uh, despite the fact it's supposed to be a break, Fuji is nonetheless taking the kid mascot, Hoshino, with her. This made me so... We will talk about this later. This yes. made me so mad. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yes. Uh, elsewhere, a ship is attacked and destroyed by a giant dragon it sure who is. has the nuclear bomb. Immediately, God came down from the heavens and answered my question of, is this show following Ultra Q or not? Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Ishinatani um, smiling from... Where the fuck Prison. Is? Yes. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> getting um, letters from the captain on the SSSP's latest yes. missions um, oh my god he should do the fucking silence of the lambs meeting with Dr. Ichi <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, okay um, a survivor reports oh yes uh, the giant ragon has the nuclear bomb um a survivor reports the sighting of a huge wake before the attack, and Captain Muramatsu thinks it sounds like another attack that happened recently. Uh, the squad pinpoint, pinpoints both attacks on a map, uh, the time between them, and plots uh, the wake's trajectory. It's heading to Japan, and it will arrive soon. Uh, with his agents out in the field and lacking the resident woman, uh, Muramatsu is forced to drink coffee made by Ide, <laughs> who puts salt in it instead of sugar. <laughs> There's so much happening here. Uh, at the coast, Fuji is playing badminton with Hoshino and a random little girl whose parents have decided to make use of Fuji's need to be helpful. Um, this is the one saving grace of this episode, is that it's not it's not just all the men in the world <laughs> dropping everything on, on Fuji. She's just always trying to be helpful to everyone. Uh, similar it's, to it's uh, not a... Yuriko's unhinged need for a scoop, there's Fuji's unhinged need to be helpful. Yes, it's not. It's not quite as good, you know. But you know, I'll I'll take it. Um, Hoshino thinks it would be really easy to ditch this kid, but Fuji doesn't have it in her. Uh, at some point, she accidentally tunes into the SSSP frequency just in time to hear about the incoming threat, yeah. and then she looks out a window and spots a huge wake heading to the shore. Yeah. What, what happens is like, that the random girl is like, "Oh, you got how oh, you're an adult and you spilled food on yourself. That's silly." Except it's actually the radio. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Fuji sees the giant wake and she's like, is that good? Uh, Ragon attacks. Fuji and Hoshino go to save the little girl from the hotel room they left her in. Uh, she fell asleep at some point. Um, and Hoshino... I, I love how they, they put her to bed and immediately get the call, please evacuate the area. And they're like, right. And then they continue walking down the hotel and it's like, you're not... <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Grab, grab remember, the girl, what are you doing? They remember the girl so late. It's so funny. 
Um, but they go to save the little girl from the hotel room they left her in, and Hoshino fends off Ragon's hand with a knife throw. Jun would be so proud. <laughs> uh, with the SSSP on its way, Fuji and Hoshino flee Ragon's attacks, and Hoshino once again makes Jun proud by leading Ragon away. Um, to just as Jun did. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arashi in the SSSP plane can't make his attack because of the risk of hitting Hoshino, Fuji, or even the fucking nuclear bomb. Remember the nuclear bomb? <laughs> um, this situation calls for Ultraman. Ultraman attacks, and in the middle of the fight, the bomb falls and uh, from Ragon, and the timer engages. We have 20 seconds! Uh, Ultraman dispatches Ragon, takes the bomb, and flies away to somewhere the bomb can safely detonate. I gotta be honest, Thank I, you, didn't, Ultraman. I didn't time this. I didn't time the bomb. <laughs> I should have been high it was, it was probably more than 20 seconds, but you know. Um, that's episode four. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, the Iron Giant invented nothing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it's extremely funny. Ultraman goes up and then like the bomb explodes and everyone's sad and Hayata comes off screen and is like, oh man, <laughs> Ultraman, is he dead? And he's like, oh, nice, fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm starting to really appreciate that bit. It's very funny. It's, yeah. it's, it's a great capstone to every episode is Hayata <laughs> walking in off screen just like, missed anything? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I feel, I feel like... I feel like Hayata as like a character is kind of not really sure yeah. how I feel him. He's kind of just like no nonsense in a way that isn't especially interesting. But him just the end of the episode where he's just like, "Yeah, hi, what's up?" is is always pretty good. Yeah, the one he's still riding uh, the wave of that one time where he just dropped off a building to grab the beta <laughs> capsule. Um, but uh, that wave will not last forever. He does need to be a character at some point. Um, or he or he doesn't, and he's just hero, and everyone else gets to goof off. I mean, if, as uh, long as so. everyone else is a character, that will help. Yeah. Um, the return of Ragon is good. Uh, I assume it got big because of the nuclear explosion. I did think they. I don't think they. I think they, I did think they said that like the radiation from the bomb was like yeah like that. yeah they 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 heavily. Uh, I think you forgot to mention that. also that like. Ide at HQ is like, hey, uh, Ragon is into music, so we should play music. Uh, you know, calling back to yes. the episode. Yes. Which, you know, yes. Ide, Ide the fact does. that, like, they're like, oh, hey, it's Ragon, the thing we know, and we know what it's like, uh, cement yeah. continuity here. So if you're, you know, if if you watched that episode of Ultra, Ultraman and you're like, why do they know that Ragon likes music? You Ultra Q <laughs> skipper, go back! <laughs> what are you doing? Um, but yeah, the, uh, it's, it's funny that they're like, they're like, ah, but Ragon likes music, so we can solve this peacefully. And Captain Muramata going, uh, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> we probably need to kill it this time, uh, because that's what the show is now. Yeah, I am, I am noticing that, like, uh, the, the, at the very least... I have mentioned before how future Ultraman stuff isn't always about the violent resolution, uh, but mm. I think this show is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this this show might be. Uh, I have strong thoughts about the uh, return of Ragon because I was so excited, and as the episode went on, I was thinking, "What what did you do to my fish creature?" Um, oh. I I don't think I liked this episode. Uh, I was very frustrated that. From what we've seen so far, it really feels like uh, Akiko and, like, Isamu 
are just destined to be off in their own little world while everyone else solves the problem in a way mm-hmm. that kind of frustrates me. Um, I I also think that the the effects were struggling in this one in particular in a way that I feel like we haven't seen since Tokyo SOS. Um, I <laughs> sometimes it's funny, like when Ragon opens its mouth and you can just see like the face holes inside. It's it's pretty good, <laughs> but like the stuff with when it's reaching through the window and it's so it just so clearly is like footage being overlaid on a background. It it just did not work for me. Um, that being said, I do appreciate appreciate uh, Isamu carrying on June's legacy. Uh, that knife maneuver. I immediately also thought of Baron's spider. To, to be fair, um, Hayata also did throw a knife. That is true. Hi- Hi- Hayata threw like a fucking special SSSP kunai is the thing. Yeah, it, it, was, was, <laughs> it was not a fruit knife. So wild. <laughs> he was... But, and like he threw it at like... Uh, he threw it at Boltan's shadow because he figured out that the shadow is the actual... The actual Boltan or something. Yeah. And then it start, the shadow started bleeding... That episode's cool. Yeah, I like. I, uh, I feel like but, we didn't yeah. talk much of, enough of the last time about just how cool the effects are with Voltan. Like we talked about a bit, but like mm-hmm. those are some cool Phantom Trail effects. They were. They were so, very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this episode Fuji, Aiko uh, needs some justice. Needs, I I am really needs... worried that because we talked about how she's partially on the show because they wanted continuity in terms of like let's get one of the three actors back for a role in this show. But I don't, like, they're not giving her stuff to do so far, and, like, that really bums me out, because, like, she's a great actress, and, like, she had a lot of cool, like, episodes centered on her, and, like, a lot of what she was doing in Ultra Q, and it really feels like they're not giving her the screen time yeah. so far like, here, we're, and we were excited. They, they... We are excited to see her back, because she was Yuriko, which, who was a cool lady. Yeah, and now she's, she's just, you know, Muramatsu's like, well... Uh, the girl's not around, so I guess I have to drink this terrible coffee made by Ide. <laughs> yeah. See, I laughed at the Ide being terrible at making coffee, but I did roll my but, eyes at, like, yeah. oh my god, like, yeah. uh. <laughs> you know, He's like, you know, Ide, by now, uh, Akiko would have made me some fucking coffee. Where's my coffee? <laughs> I was like, bro! Uh, the, the, yeah. The, the year is not 2023. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do remember from the production history that, like, you know, one, there's conf- the writers are like divided on how to take the show, and also they did write the show in like they did do like 13 episode batches. So mm-hmm. it is my hope that like things will maybe change as the show goes on. Right, yes. There will be like the show will begin responding to its reception like pretty quickly and like th- like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, which is which is more than you know double O can <laughs> and code Gs. Uh, I have some uh, information about the director <laughs> of this Ooh. episode okay. because so here's Mike do so I I also got information on the directors for episodes one two and three and this a lot of this is gonna tie back into Ultra Q stuff. Do we want me to go do- retroactively and then catch up to? Episode four, man, or, or how do we want to do this? I suppose. Um, um I mean, I'd like mm. to eventually cover the retroactive stuff, but maybe if today we're pressed a bit on time, we can do that yeah, next con- week. 
And also the the person who uh yeah well I'll save the first one for another time because I'm sure they're gonna come back up because it's uh spoiler alert Eiji Tsuburaya's oldest son um <laughs> but uh episodes uh f- episode five of our batch here uh was also the same director as episodes two and three so we'll cover that anyhow um but episodes four and six of Ultraman were directed by Samaji Nonagase who also wrote some episodes, uh, or sorry, uh, directed episode four and six, and then also wrote some episodes under a pen name, uh, Ryu uh, Minamikawa. Uh, we're going to see this with a, a few different directors for Ultra stuff, it seems, where they would direct, and then sometimes they would also step in to write some stuff, and they would do that part under a pen name. Uh I learned a lot about this guy, um, a lot more than I thought I would get. Um, the Nonagase family is a notable clan with a rich history uh, throughout Japanese history. Oh my god, this is what? <laughs> okay, continue. Yes, yes. Um, they have their own Japanese Wikipedia article that goes back quite far. I, I skimmed through and I was like, I don't think any of this per se is necessarily relevant to what we're going to talk about, but just know that this guy is from like a known family. Um... He has a long history of notable work in the film industry, uh, including work on several Kurosawa films, uh, who he worked alongside Eiji Tsuburaya, uh, notably Throne of Blood and Hidden Fortress. Yo! Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, right off the bat, like, this guy was assistant, like, had assistant director tasks on fairly notable stuff. Uh, while working on the 1955 Kurosawa film uh, I Live in Fear, he met and fell in love with a woman who happened to work at the department store that was being used as a filming location. Uh, they married two years later. When asked about it, apparently the couple cited um, that the man who introduced them to one another was none other than Academy Award-winning director uh, Hiroshi Inagaki, best known for directing The Rickshaw Man and The Samurai Trilogy, um, both of which uh, starred uh, Toshiro Mifune. Um, uh, and then also worth noting for our interest in particular, uh, he helped out with some assistant directorial, um, duties on Mothra as well. So he does have that kaiju background going into the ultra stuff. Um, at some point, uh, Nonagase gets fed up with working in the film industry, just was not happy with, I guess, what was going on. Nothing really seemed to point out as far as I could tell what he was dissatisfied with, but, you know... Film industry, I'm just assuming it's standard production stuff. You know, there's always behind-the-scenes frustrations I mean, we, and stuff we like that. We saw mm-hmm. how this show got put together, so, you know, can you blame him? Yeah. Um, so, at some point, he gets fed up with film, and he ends up uh, pivoting to work at Toho's TV wing instead. Uh, he does that for a little bit before being personally invited by Eiji Tsuburaya to work on a little-known show called Ultra Q. Um... He directed episode 5, Pegula is here, episode 11, Belunga, episode 14, Tokyo Ice Age, episode 16, Garamon Strikes Back, episode 20, The Primordial Amphibian Ragon. Okay. <laughs> this is our favorite guy. Holy shit. Uh, you said that at the funniest possible moment. Episode 23, Fury of the South Sea. <laughs> no! <laughs> But then bring it back around for episode 24, The Statue of Gog. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my... Jesus. Well, they can't all be winners. Uh... No. 
Um, Bro. I gotta find out who did episode 19 of Ultra Q. We'll do that later. Yes. I have, nev- um, I have never been so owned in all my life. <laughs> uh, notably, of the episodes that we have seen so far in both Ultra Q and Ultra Man, the, he only has two writing credits under that pen name. Uh, both of them are the Ragon episodes. Okay. This is his baby. This is his baby. <laughs> um, also, according to him, he only requests credit as a writer, uh, because apparently he did help out with writing here and there a bit for all of the stuff he worked on, but he only mm-hmm. ever wanted to be credited if he felt that he contributed half or more of the episode's story. Um, and it specifically, it wasn't until the Ragon episode that his name shows up. Because according to him, the initial attempts at writing for that episode were just not looking good, and he felt like he needed to step in personally to fix it. Okay. I think, I think, I think, maybe, maybe this man is not so keen on Fury of the South Sea either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I, I have some suspicions about how the, the original Ragon episode would have gone. (laughs) Um... A few things I found regarding his work, he has stated that he has a firm belief uh, in making TV shows and movies look good, regardless of the budget you've been allocated. He does not feel that having low resources is an excuse for things looking shoddy or bad. This being said, it has also been noted that he has developed a reputation for frequently going over budget on his assigned work. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, what a guy. Oh, my man. <laughs> Come on. Specific special effects credited to him include the rotating stage that was used to convey Pegula's anti-gravity powers, and the giant Pegula oh, oh. footprint that caved in the ground. Yes. Nice. Um, last note on him, he was also a strong proponent of working with child actors and believed that if you were going to be making children's programming, you need to have a good understanding of what kids find cool. Um, people noted... That when auditions for child actors were taking place for Ultra Q episodes, he often would show up um, and would regularly ask the kids what they liked about monster stories, uh, and he used their feedback to improve his own work. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Okay. I respect that a lot. Okay, so we can forgive him for Sudar, I think. <laughs> yeah. Ma- I, maybe, and to maybe, be fair, well. I think the Sudar problems come from the writing and not the director. Okay, yeah, yeah. True, true. Uh, this is this is this is true. The, we'll, we'll cover. Yeah, we'll cover the previous Ultra Q stuff later, and we can get the writers yeah. and stuff. But uh, well, yeah, very much. nice. We'll, we'll fill up. We'll retroactively fill out the backlog, and hopefully, keep things going ahead for the rest of the shows of all time. Sick. <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of the rest of the shows of all time, do we want to get on to episode five of? Uh, Ultraman. Yeah, uh, I believe have so. I, I will say, just to reiterate, uh, I was very sad that I did not like the Ragon Return episode as much as I could. Ah, yeah, it, it it made me bummed. But um, it this is not actually a, a slander on the episode, but um, because I was just very very tired, but I did fall asleep in the middle of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. Again, I was just extremely exhausted but uh, it didn't it didn't surpass my exhaustion um and i just fell asleep in the middle of the episode and i watched the rest of it in the morning um but oh well because we've got a, a bit of a a bit of a wild one um, <laughs> yes. <clears throat> let me tell you about episode five of ultraman secret of the miroganda um 
two murders take place, a reporter on a nighttime drive and a geologist working late at a lab, both men killed by a big green blob thing that shoots uh, the stuff that's in the beta capsule. Um, <laughs> the green goop. It finally showed up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say, this... I rewatched episodes one through three. Well, okay, I say rewatched. I looked for parts where the beta capsule shows up in episodes one through three to be like, how the fuck did I... And I don't have a good answer. No, I don't know no. what the fuck I okay. would see. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I watched episode six and got a clear look at the beta capsule and i was like oh no i can see why you would think that was a tube with I, green goop in it i just <laughs> okay. i just okay, assumed it you. was because he was thinking about blowjobs still <laughs> God damn it. fuck <laughs> uh we cannot let this be a recurring thing. um if it's green go see a doctor i miss american is so bad <laughs> <laughs> T- tune in uh, for Ultra 7 where we come up with an even more depraved in joke for that. <laughs> yep. Um, so, yes, the SSSP investigates both scenes and finds the goop. Uh, analysis reveals it contains both chlorophyll and, what is it, mutin or something? Uh, the first, the, chlorophyll found in plants. The second thing found in animals. What does it mean? Captain Muramatsu thinks this murder sounds a lot like the recent murder of Dr. Yamada. Uh, Arashi and Ide are sent to have a look around the doctor's garden, where his experiments are planted. Um, He liked to use radiation to make plants way bigger. Seems safe. Um, Ide spots that a plant is missing from the very spot that the doctor was killed. The missing plant is the Miroganda. Uh, one of the doctor's recent findings on an expedition. We'll get into the expedition. (laughs) Um, Arashi... The, oh, there's a moment back at base where Arashi gesticulates wildly and punches Ide incredibly hard in the face by accident, resulting in Ide wearing a cartoon bandage on his head. This is an important detail. Um, <laughs> skipping a, a, a few whole bunch of intermediary steps here, uh, the SSP discovers that the doctor, the reporter, and the geologist were both on the ex- were all on the both. There's three of them all on the expedition <laughs> where Miraganda was discovered. And the squad tracks down the other person who was on that trip, uh, Ms. Hamaguchi. Uh, She relates the story in which her and her crew strapped on some pith helmets, (laughs) Ultra Q Classic, coming back, (laughs) and went on a black and white adventure to Oiris Island, where they found Miraganda, which was in color. This is cool. This was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is, reminds me of, there was like a, there's like a German adaptation. So there's a love... One of the few Lovecraft stories that I read and mostly liked uh, was The Color Out of Space. Um, And this reminds me, there's like a German movie called The Color Out of Space where it's all in black and white except for the titular color, which is purple. Um, It's cool. Um, Reminded me of that. Um, I haven't actually watched that movie, but I've seen the effects and I'm a fan. Uh, The woman was attacked, Ms. Hamaguchi, uh, was attacked by something similar to the monster that has been responsible for the murders. Uh, Hayata has the answer. The Miraganda plant of unearthly beauty does not begin its life in full bloom. It's like a dragonfly, um, or, you know, a plant. Um, <laughs> the monster that is attacking is the juvenile form of a Miraganda, apparently hunting down the people who stole it from its native land. <laughs> um, the Makes squad is sense. on patrol. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> I would. 
the squad is on patrol at this doctor's house and Arashi is attacked by the Miraganda. Uh, this is a really cool moment where they're cutting between people reporting that everything's fine and then they cut to um, Arashi saying Every- everything's fine and then immediately yeah, the Miraganda, which is just in the shot, just gets up and grabs him. <laughs> uh, I appreciated like a human scale size fight in this scene too. Yes. Uh, the team successfully shoots Miraganda dead and cheer and do high fives and stuff. And then we cut to a guy who's like, there's still eight minutes in the episode. You did not kill it. <laughs> in fact, your laser guns probably made it way bigger, actually. Uh, sure enough, Miraganda returns, bigger than before, and Arashi wants to spider shot it to death as he feels responsible for Miraganda getting so big. Um, my man. This is, you're doing the same thing. <laughs> I did not expect the spider shot to be such a recurring element, but I very much appreciate uh, that this is his thing. <laughs> this excuse is his you, thing. you have to sell those toys. <laughs> um, the, so, here, right, here's the thing. They changed the effects on the guns for this episode. Don't worry about it. Because all oh, the other shit, episodes, right. it's like, all the other episodes, it's like lightning. Um, and in this episode, they're beams. Yeah, like they're, a, they're like full Star Trek phaser beams. Or like a literous acid breath. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> That's a little closer relation than my my reference. Um, That's maybe more applicable. Uh, but yeah, they changed the effects for this episode. Don't know why. Um, but sure enough, um, this does not work. Uh, so Ultraman has to save the day. Ultraman and Muraganda circle each other around a clock tower, and then the clock tower strikes and the hour, and before it can finish, just before it can finish, Miragana attacks, toppling the tower. This was so cool. It's pretty it's, sick. I yeah. love this so much. Ah, uh, I was like, oh, damn. This is like, this is cool This is like hell. when the miniature sets are, like, on point. Yes, absolutely. Um, anyway, Ultraman kills Miragana. Rip. <laughs> Everyone is happy to be saved. And Ide is like, where's Hayata? No one cares. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Uh, I, coming off of episode four, I was like, oh my God, oh no, this is everything I was worried about coming to fruition. What? Oh no. Oh no. And then I watched episode five. I was like, no, this show could actually be really fucking sick. Actually, I like this episode a lot. This is a good episode. So good. Uh, Yeah, I guess it probably helps. And it sometimes hurts when you have like different directors and writers. Um, Mm -hmm. and a new monster every week. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, a new monster. What more could you want? A new monster every week? Damn. Um, the thing I was watch I was watching this episode just like out because I don't I didn't have anything for breakfast, so I had to go out and just like uh go to a cafe, watch this episode, drink eat an expensive, way too expensive fucking pastry. Um and Damn. watch this episode. Um and I was I had to contain myself in public from not popping off when <laughs> that fucking they were circling each other around the clock tower in slow mo. Like, oh yeah. shit this show goes hard it's so tense i love it uh, and also just like the plant suit looks so fucking good it's mm. I-, I love everything about- i'm big fan of plant monsters i think i'm finding yeah uh, i think i just oh, go ahead. Well, just it the fact that i guess it's a monster that can move does make it a bit more interesting than duran even though Duran did a good mm-hmm. job of being like, here is a big ass plant and it's scary. Um, yeah, I was wondering while watching this, like, oh, did they like, were they like 
thinking about Mammoth Flower when they were making this, because I have a feeling, like, maybe they're kind of like, oh, maybe we can, like, revisit that and, like, give uh-huh. it, like, more of a, like, Ultraman kind of take. But at the same time, it's so different that I was like, eh, maybe not as it went on. But I liked, I liked that for once in the Ultra series, fucking around in Pith Helmets, uh, they found out. Yes. They did find out. Yes, I appreciated that so much. And again, too, like, like... There was a bit where I I glanced away to look at a text message and then I looked up and the show was in black and white and I went what the fuck happened? <laughs> it was yeah. so cool. Uh it was re- yeah. I was a big fan will, of this episode. I, I will it say uh incredibly charmed by the photographer lady just having the most 60s ass apartment imaginable. <laughs> yes. I'm just like yes. I'm just like I have seen this I've seen this wallpaper. I've seen this furniture. This is what my grandma's house looked like. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, I like The Secret of Miraganda. I think it's a good episode. Do we have any production details on this? Yes, we do. Uh, Episodes 2, 3, and 5 of Ultraman. So, again, that is uh, the... um, murder all the aliens episode uh uh, it's fuck what oh god what's the the invaders yes no but uh episode three what's the monster's name again my brain broke oh uh the wrong power plant guy yes that's the one uh power plant uh invisibility monster and then this one all directed by uh toshihiro ijima who uh, also works as a writer on a lot of these shows under the pen name uh, Kitao Senzoku. Um, He also... uh, So of these three, the only one he has a writing credit on is episode two. Um, The rest he just directed. Um, I couldn't find as much about this guy, but one thing I did find of note is that when you do look stuff up about him... uh, Apparently, like, a big impactful thing for him is that he chose to attend the university that he did because of his interest in writing plays. Um, And more specifically, uh, he chose his university because there was a playwright he really admired known as Michio Kato, uh, who taught Japanese literature there, and he really wanted to study under him. Uh, However, one year into his education, uh, this uh, teacher committed suicide. Uh, and this ended up being, like, a major thing for Ijima, um, and it ended up uh, convincing him, or at the very least it was a major factor in him deciding to um, change his focus from Japanese literature to English literature, and then from there he found his way after graduation, like, writing for, like, TVs and movies and, uh, TV shows and movies and stuff. Damn. Um, there's, I couldn't find a lot, unfortunately, about, like, what he was doing before Tsuburaya Productions, um, but what I did find is that in Ultra Q, he did not direct, but he wrote the first episode, Defeat Gomez. Oh. Um, unfortunately, wrote and directed SOS Mount Fuji. <laughs> um, wow. Also, unfortunately, wrote and directed the underground Super Express Goes West. <laughs> um, oh my god. <laughs> directed... Man, what were you doing? What were you doing <laughs> on that episode? What was going on? Uh, directed the Rainbow's Egg, and like, the, I, I, so again, Red, I'm, I'm had, I had a moment similar to what you had, where I was just going through this, and I'm like, this is just the king of mid, and then I got fucking owned because uh, he finished up his tenure on Ultra Q by uh, writing and directing Challenge from the year 2020. Holy fucking shit! Yo, let's go. 
and then also wrote Blazing Glory, the Peter episode. <laughs> oh my fucking oh my god. god. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you're struck by genius. You know what? I, how did the M1 happens. guy write the Peter episode? You know what? You know what? Uh, I'll just say, you probably, the first few, he's practicing. Uh, and he just, he just got better at it. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That, the definition that, what, that, of let him cook. Let him cook. He, to be oh fair, the last three episodes he did, all bangers. This one, yeah. the Peter and Kemmer, those are amazing. Um, there's, there's that guy, Tartini, who wrote the Devil's Trill Sonata, who uh, claims that the devil played it to him in his dream, and his version <laughs> in the real world is only a pale imitation. And everyone's like, he claims to have uh, written it th- uh, in this year, but you know, us music scholars, we think he wrote it later, because that was when his skills had developed. And I'm like... No, but he he said the devil told him. Isn't that isn't that also just like <laughs> the devil did isn't it? Isn't that like the plot of a Tenacious D song too? I I mean possibly it's a it's a very famous musical anecdote. <laughs> Is that uh, Tatini uh, claimed that um, were he given a choice between hearing the the devil play that that music again and destroying his violin, he would destroy his violin in a second. <laughs> um, he could also scam so, the violin, you know, so you know. Maybe this one writer was just visited by the devil in the night. It happens uh, sometimes. I like to Peter. think he was visited by Peter, actually. <laughs> he was visited. <laughs> <laughs> a, cro- a, a giant crocodile showed up in his room and he's like, you're going to write it. I predict you're going to write an episode of television about this experience. Oh my god. Peter's, Peter's <laughs> predictions always come true. <laughs> Super eyes just like, man, do you got anything? And like we're wrapping up, you, so you we know, need something. It's like, oh, oh there was this time you, with a giant lizard. You know what's funny <laughs> is the Kemmer episode is also about a guy who gets predictions for the future and puts in his work. So huh. what, oh, maybe he has the he has the he has the one good idea. Maybe, maybe Peter is also Kemmer. Oh shit! He's the he's the only he's the only one that that made it. He like found a new body. Yes. See, this is I I am very much enjoying going through these people's uh life stories and uh former works because uh I feel like we're finding out a lot and uh, much needed context that uh I think is helping us piece together how these shows get made. Yeah, I'm a looking forward very to very fun way. I'm looking forward to finding out more about the previous Alt-Q stuff. Yeah. If yeah, god. That Joe episode's so good. It's very I good. feel like it's like the best Jun episode in a way, just like as Jun as a character. Oh, Jun's yeah, Jun is so good in that. And we said this last week as well. <laughs> the the further we get away from Ultra Q, I feel like that's. I don't think I'd call it my favorite episode, but I feel like it's the one I think about the most. Yeah, um, I do think about that episode a lot. Um, it's got, it's yeah. a very interesting episode. What we're gonna have to like eventually do like top five episodes of Ultra Q when in like a year, and then we'll think, then we'll see which ones are really make the cut which ones yeah oh, truly man. stood I, the test of I time think, the, the dark I think horse gave Fuji me five, I, th- <laughs> <laughs> I think if you gave me five i think i could do it i think maybe or 10 would be i don't know if 10 would be easier or harder i think but i could yeah. do five but yeah I, we will see in a year yeah yeah we won't remember this all righty well do we have anything else about the incredibly cool episode where people steal a plant from its homeland and then it kills them uh <laughs> no. I, just, I just want to highlight that it is cool that like the pollen that's like killing people uh it like has an impact on like ultra color timer just like yes so i 
one thing we didn't mention was the 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 plant shoots like weird pollen at people and it's a really cool effect <laughs> yeah reminded me actually a little bit of the mothra spray uh from uh those movies or you know the mm-hmm. pollen from jerhan true Ooh, this is true that th- that pollen killed less people it did also pr- also, the, just, they, also they probably deserved it less <laughs> uh this is true all right well episode six of ultraman is called the coast guard command oh man this episode is such a cool title i really glad they came up with such an original title for this one uh-huh <laughs> hoshino being jun too has to have his own gang one boy and one girl and the one boy has to be very clearly his funny psych- sidekick um this gang is having fun at Yokohama, watching ships come in and out of port. Uh, they spot a ship full of uh, cacao, uh, the bean you make chocolate out of. Uh, Ipe Jr. spots a lizard monster in the water, and Hoshino spots Diamond Kick, the s- diamond smuggler. We're back. Uh, I'll just, We're I'll just back with the, the robbers. Uh, the kid's name is Chiro, just for like actual. Chiro, okay. Um, I had forgotten his name, so I called him. Unfortunately, I don't know what Nico's name is, but I guess she's technically. It is extremely funny how back to back they just see these two wild things happening, like pretty much. It's very funny. The 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 run the running bit here is that um, uh, Hoshino is like, oh, you saw a giant lizard, you saw a giant, you saw a monster, and he looks through the binoculars and sees Diamond Kick and goes, oh, you mean Diamond Kick? Yeah, I guess he is kind of a monster, <laughs> and just runs with that. It, it completely ignores Chiro going, no, I saw a lizard. <laughs> I saw a giant lizard in the water. And Hoshino's like, yeah, Diamond Kick, I know, you told me. Uh, uh, yeah, go on, go on. Uh, Hoshino calls the squad, and Arashi is like, Diamond smugglers aren't our jurisdiction. Call the cops. Do not get involved. <laughs> um, Hoshino is not going to call the cops, and he is definitely going to get involved, but not yet, because first we have to hear the tale of Gesera from Cold Shot, I did not look this up, the cop from the Kemo episode of Ultra Q. Holy fuck. I think it's him. Oh shit. I'm gonna, no, you know what? No, I'm gonna look not. this up right now. Is it not? What, you mean like the cop who's like the. Wait. Oh yeah, the detective. The old the guy. Detective? Yeah, yeah, it, may, it might be him. Uh, you can look that up. Um, here he is in an old uh, as an old sailor. Uh, Shit, on... the Ultraman wiki is failing me because it just has the main cast listed. God damn it! Oh, <sighs> failure. Uh, I think it's him. Um, we could we could you know I will put it side by side. Uh, at <laughs> like after we've Actually, we're done I will recording, take care of this because we I don't want you guys to accidentally find spoilers at some point accidentally that's okay. a good point <laughs> um the uh yeah he's an old sailor on the ship uh, transporting cacao uh he explains that maybe the spiny lizard that young uh chiro saw was gesera uh, gesera is a lizard that loves cacao goes crazy for it will bla- brazenly pursue it from great distances just by scent uh bro same uh but gesera is just a little guy uh, there's no way it would grow to be so huge. Uh, the gang 2.0 goes to the warehouse where the beans are stored to find evidence of Gesera. Instead, they are kidnapped when they run across Diamond Kick, searching through the sacks for his smuggled diamonds. Uh, meanwhile, a huge Gesera attacks the harbor, 
wrecking the ship the cacao beans came in and, on. And there's a part um, where I say, that's not fucking Gesso, that's fucking Peter. Dude, that's... <laughs> I, I was given huge, like... I was like, oh, damn. The, I was thinking more Ragon 2.0, but you're right. That is that is a that Peter 2.0. That's, that's, that they, that is Peter. They, they just reused the suit. They made a diff- They made the same suit. Like, they reused the suit. That's what happened. Um, which is very, which is very funny because if you remember from our Ultra Q episode about Peter, um, we were like, this is maybe the least convincing suit we've seen, but he is funny. <laughs> yes. Um, Diamond Kick has to flee, taking the kids back to his hideout without finding his diamonds. Uh, the squad are called in to deal with it, and they conclude that Gesera must have become big from all the toxic waste getting dumped into Tokyo Bay. Uh, they learn that Gesera is a peaceful creature unless provoked and navigates by way of the antenna on top on the top ridge of its neck. Uh, the squad decide to spread the cacao beans on the open water to lure Gesera. But what's this? Fuji finds the shoe of Ipe Jr. Chiro as well as the smuggled diamonds. Hoshino is in danger. Um, and the other kids too. But Hoshino has got this in hand. He picks the lock on the room Diamond Kick shut them in, and would have escaped if not for Chiro sneezing. A chase ensues, but is interrupted by the, the arrival of Gesura, who has come for the fucking beans. Uh, quick question. Uh, what? Did Diamond Kick flee to a second warehouse full of cacao beans? Uh, question mark? The, so... I believe in the shot we get where Gesura is destroying the warehouse... It almost looks like there's, it's like like segmented out into two parts. Okay. Uh, if I'm remembering what it looks like correctly, but mm. I I could see how it could be the same technical building, but like there's like okay. a little bit that I think there's like a bit in the middle that's thinner that connects the two together. I see. Okay. Okay, that could be what's happening. All right. Um. The SSSP are careful not to attack Gessera, but Diamond Kick has no such concerns. He shoots Gessera in the face with a handgun for some reason, and now, <laughs> I'm, now I'm, there's no going back. I'm more impressed that he manages... Extremely, extremely funny that he just looks out the window, sees a giant monster, and just immediately starts blasting. I'm more impressed that he manages to actually hit it. <laughs> God, it's just like, oh my, oh my god, giant monster. Oh, let me pull my gun out here. Um... In the confusion, because uh, Gesser is mad now, in the confusion, the squad successfully rescues the kids, but Hayata gets stuck in a crushed building and drops the beta capsule just out of reach. With one more push, he grabs the capsule and transforms into Ultraman, just in time to save the squad from getting squished by Gesser. Uh, Ultraman fights Gesser, pulling the antenna out of its neck and throwing it into the sea, uh, where it dies. A rip. Back at base... <laughs> The kids are thanked for the role they played in capturing Diamond Kick. Uh, their reward? A tray of chocolate, which uh, Chiro can smell before he sees it, just like a little guesser. The end. Uh, uh, I like this one. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a couple things. One, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actor's name for the sailor is Khan Yanagiya, and he did play the old detective in that episode of Ultra Q. Let's go. Uh, second, uh, you're missing the part where, like, Everyone's like, oh man, Hayata died in the collapsing yes. building. And he just comes out. He's just coming back from like, with like the diamond kick in his, yeah. in his arms. He's like, don't worry. He's, he's I got, got one slung over his shoulders. <laughs> um, he's just like, yeah, I, I got him. It's good. 
We're all good here. Did I miss all? He literally says, oh, I can't believe I missed Ultraman again. <laughs> Isn't that so weird, guys? Yeah. I feel like I feel like this is right, here's... the last five minutes of the episode. last two minutes of the episode where Hayata is the best as a character. Yeah. I, I think by the end of the show, here's what should happen. Everyone should know he's Ultraman except Ide, who is still like, there's oh, something fishy so going good. on here. <laughs> that, that would be how I do it. My my called shot is that I think there's going to be one episode where maybe it's the captain gets really close to finding out who Ultraman is, and then, like, last minute he doesn't, and then the status quo is preserved. Mm-hmm. The captain could, or what could also happen is the captain reveals in the last episode that he has known all along. Yes. Just, yes. I can see that happening. That, that I, could, that's that very believable. I mean, it was in, like, the production history that for a bemular that they were like well maybe the captain won't know the secret so who knows ah uh, yeah 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 this that's is true. true so that that's possible uh but yeah um i i like this episode uh i think uh hashino growing on me he's all right yeah no i uh i i like i ended up liking him th- this batch of episodes quite a bit which uh the first like I didn't think he was annoying or anything in the first three, but I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, they got the tag along kit or whatever for hijinks. Mm-hmm. But like, they they do quite a bit to show like him getting involved in like a way that I don't feel like ever ends up feeling. You know, you know, sometimes writers lean on things for making cheap drama in ways that just like end up getting annoying. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they've fallen into that with him at all, um, which is yeah. really cool to see. There's a there's a great moment in that Rygon episode the where uh that little girl's uh mum comes back and is like, Oh, could you look after her for a little bit more while I go I go out with my friends or whatever? And uh Hoshin like uh as Fuji is about to say yes, uh <laughs> Hoshino just with his badminton racket just like whaps her on the leg, just like come on, say no. <laughs> See, I, I really want Fuji to be cooler so that when she yes. like if she and Hoshino are are doomed to always be squared off while everyone else is like doing like monster stuff. I want them to be cool together because that would be honestly pretty fun. Yeah, I I did. <laughs> yeah. I was happy in this episode at least we actually got to see Fuji in our uniform because like yes. too, too often yes. she's just at HQ in like the blue suit. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, she give her a yeah. gun. Give her a gun. Um, uh, I do think not it's that funny. The guns do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that spider shot someday it's gonna. I mean, to, to be fair, it. to be fair, uh, Hoshino with spider shot a blew up Naranga's eye. It that did. is true. What if last episode the color timer runs out, Ultraman fucking dies, damn, and the SSSP has to take down the monster? This will not happen, but that would be cool as hell. But I do not. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting seeing how later shows build on the formula and like also build on character archetypes, etc. We'll get there mm-hmm. in coming years. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think it's really funny. Like I said, episode four and six directed by the same guy, uh, Samaji Nonagase. Uh, I think it's very very funny that they're just like back-to-back sea monster episodes go yep. um yeah. Yeah. and in, in both of them I, I i noticed that ragon and uh Gesra both do the same thing where they pretty much just slam dunk a ship underwater and it looks really cool both yeah. times. also I, I confirmed on Gesra's like wiki page it's just, they they took they got ragon parts and slapped onto peter's suit 
Nice. Uh, I can see it. That makes sense. That also, okay, I feel better feeling that it was Raygon 2.0. Yeah, uh, it's a it's it's the baby. What, who wrote this episode? Oh my god, it's the baby from that one. Uh, <laughs> oh shit, you're right. It grew up and got killed by Ultraman. <laughs> um, I do not know that. I will. I I did not. I went down the director hole so hard that I was not even able to look at writers yet. But I do plan on doing that in the future. Okay, so we'll point. cover. We'll we'll do a roundup next week. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool, Mel. Color timers for this episode. These episodes. Put the color timer. Whoa, my voice. What the fuck? Um, (laughs) It happens. Don't worry. I'll train my voice eventually. Um, The color times. Hello. Uh, Episode four. We got two minutes, 36 seconds. Mm -hmm. Episode five. Three minutes, 52 seconds. Like Ultraman literally fades into the sunset at the very end of the episode. Like right to the end. Yeah. Um, episode six, three minutes, ten seconds. Hmm. So you know we're we're coming in, averaging out like looking like his top ends are three minutes in a bit. Uh, extremely noticing that whenever it's the twenty-one minute mark, that's when Ultraman starts stressing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't like something I noticed with uh, uh, Voltes Five. Um, was like oh shit, the transformations happened in the first half of the episode. This fight is about to be sick. Yeah. I mean, that, that happens um, in like... Although, you know, some sometimes that just means that they, they fail and then they have to transform again at the end of the episode. What I actually mean is I actually mean uh, Diton 3. I actually mean Diton 3 where the transformations happen really early in the episode and the fight just fucking goes for ages. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't, I don't know why, but Zambot and Diton are just like all in on like the coolest mech fight shit you've ever seen <laughs> like really well animated it's wild uh, but i don't think we will be getting ultraman transforming before the 20 minute mark for a while yeah i mean it'll, ha- no. it'll happen in... i can see maybe ultra 7 maybe ultra yeah. 7 we'll like see. i'm sure but like i think for this one you... it'll be towards the end always well they, they can they can batten pass it they've got seven of them <laughs> True, true. Um, uh, okay. Well, unless we have anything else about episode six of Ultraman, uh, I'll take that as a no. No, I'm gonna. I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna say that's a podcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got emails. Do you want to? We got an emails. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, oh, just uh, want to. I just want to check in. Did you, Razan? You said uh, you had a little flexibility on that. Time, uh, yeah, I. Uh, okay. I uh, well, I did get a text though, and I feel like I should get going soon. Uh, I have Easter lunch plans, um, okay. so if we could save the email for next week, I would appreciate it. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll save the emails for next week. All right. Thank you. Okay, okay. Sorry. Um. No worries. Uh. I let me hit plugs then. Um. I'll let uh. First of all, I'll say, if you want to follow the show, you can do so at ultra underscore Q. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at gender underscore redacted. If you want to follow me on co-host, uh, fall down an RTS rabbit hole. That's still happening. Um, I'm at November. Uh, Razen, do you want to go? Yeah. Uh, so now that real life stuff has been all squared away and dealt with, I do want to get back to streaming Resident Evil. Uh, I really want to play the 4 Remake, but I am refusing to do that until I play 2 Remake and 3 Remake as uh, Capcom uh, decreed. 
No, no one decreed that, but you know, I'm me, so that's how I do things. Um, yeah, uh, my YouTube channel is Rosenbrand. I'm at Twitter at Rosenbrand. I should Red, you're inspiring me. I should go back to co-host. I don't know what to use co-host for. That's, that's the thing. I'm so you. I'm so I'm so Twitter trained that I was like, I don't know how to fucking post on co. I like the character limit. I like, but you know, that now I've got like, I do... a thing that I can kind of blog about ish. See, here's the thing: is I feel like co-host is is like rife for the the rebirth of like screenshot let's play as a format but also i mean is is basically like a new <laughs> is basically the format of tumblr with i could i could move i could move my fate stay night threads mega threads over there <laughs> oh man i i need to get back to fate yeah. uh mel hi uh my shirting is my Schrodinger's Twitter account is at Dear Crowns. Uh, I got a Twitch. I do stuff. Cosmic underscore crown. You can show up, I guess. Uh, I do have co-host, which is, for some reason, at Dear Crown, which is singular in camel case. I'll figure out one day to change it to be consistent, so <laughs> it's less confusing. <laughs> just, different, just different enough to All be right. annoying. Yeah. Yeah, we've all been there. Um, all right. Well, if that's an episode, uh, I'm gonna say bye for now. We'll see you next time for three more episodes of Ultraman. Uh, that is episode uh seven, eight, and nine. Uh, but eventually I'll learn. I'll we'll figure out an outro. Well, the the show will give us something to end on. But uh, for now, goodbye. Hayato will show up for the last uh last minute of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be like, did I, did I miss the podcast? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.